Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to Calvary, as uh, Brandon has shared. And for those of you who uh, maybe are somewhat new to Calvary or haven't been here in a little while, uh, I'm Pastor Dan Darling. I'm the executive pastor here at, uh, at Calvary, and uh, our lead pastor, uh, Peter Smith, is uh, off today. Uh, be praying for his family. Uh, Casey's uh, grandmother passed away this past week, and so they're headed to Cincinnati to uh, have a funeral. And so just be praying for them. Uh, this is not an easy time, so uh, all the travel with the, uh, all the travel bands we have going on and so on, it's always a little dicey thing, so let's just be praying uh, for them that all will go well. <clears throat> let's just open in a word of prayer before we get into the final chapter of the book of Ephesians. Let's pray together. Now, Lord, what a, what a great reminder to us this morning, how marvelous, how wonderful is your incredible love for us. Lord, I'm reminded that nothing the Apostle Paul shares in the book of Romans, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. What a great truth, what a great promise to live by, that even though the world around us and the swirling winds of time and all the things that are happening, we, we, nothing will ever separate us from that great love. So I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for the blood of the cross that has causes us to triumph, causes us to have victory, causes us to have peace with you. Lord, I'm thankful this morning for the church, and for our opportunity to gather together in your name, to sit at your feet and to worship you and to humble ourselves in your presence. Lord, I'm reminded today that we sit in a moment of time that is as challenging as of any other time in history. But yet, Lord, we can come away, we can come apart, we can take time to sit in your presence. So, Lord, as we do that this morning, help us to see you. Help us to see you in the pages of your word. Help us to see you in the words through the power of the Holy Spirit that will provide for us that which we need for our lives today. And we recognize that even though the Apostle Paul in chains and bonds was actually writing this text, here today, thousands of years later, it's as still as real as it is and was in his day. So I'm thankful for the reality, for the realness of the Word of God, how right it is for me today. And I'm thankful, dear Father, that we can live by it. So I pray that you might bless it. Lord, I want to lift up my nation, our country to you today. Lord, we've gone through some tumultuous days. But Lord, we know that you are on the throne. You are a God that's in control. And Lord, the scriptures tell us to pray for those in authority over us. And so we do that this morning. We pray for them. We pray, dear Father, that they might seek your face. We pray, dear Father, that they might just turn to you. We pray that you and would help us be able to just withstand the day in which we live and to stand firm as we're going to read and to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to walk through this day today. And then, Lord, I pray as well that we as believers in Jesus Christ, that we will continue to pray for our land and that you might heal it. We, we are in faith believing, as the promises of God tell us in the Old Testament, that if we would pray, if we would yield, if we would humble ourselves, then you would heal our land. And Lord, I pray for that. I pray for great healing. And I pray, dear Father, once again, as we look into the Scriptures, we look into the Word of God, 
that will be so real to us today, it will continue to change our lives. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning we're, we're ending a great series that we've been studying in the book of Ephesians. And, and uh, it's incredible that we've almost come to this. It's, it's really neat. And uh, uh, Pastor Peter has really poured his heart into these verses and into these scriptures, into these chapters to cause us to understand all that is going on. And so as we look into this this morning and we talk about the whole armor of God and we talk about standing firm in him, we want you just to know that that's something that we as a staff are constantly praying for our people. We are constantly praying that God would continue to just pour into your lives and we would be able to help you do that. We would be able to come alongside and help you as a pastoral staff to stand firm and to walk through the days in which we live. And if there's a need, contact us, because always, we always want to be available. So just want to share those thoughts with you. But let's read the passage this morning. This is Ephesians, if you have either Bible or device or whatever you have. We're going to be reading Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Now, my version's a little bit different, but this is what the book, this is what the Word of God says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, and he talks about the armor here, stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Then he finalizes, he gives this conclusion. Praying, therefore, always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, the, that utterance might be given unto me, that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. What a great passage. And we could spend, just, we could spend a month of Sundays right here just being able to go over all that we find and all that we see in here. But I just want to spend a little bit of time helping us understand all that we have learned to try to a little bit encapsulate, if you will, all of the thoughts that we have tried to pour into this week's and that Pastor Peter has really worked hard to get into our minds through this incredible book. The reason is because this is kind of the end or nearing the end of the Apostle Paul's ministry. We find him here in Rome in chains and bonds. He says so right there that he's in bonds. And so this is a house arrest time, I think, for him, but it's nearing the end of his ministry. The books of Ephesians, Colossians, we believe, were some of his last books. And so in a general sense, he wants to be able to give to his people something really great, really profound, something that they can lay hold of 
that they can keep forever. Something that they can put into their lives that he knows will help them in the journey ahead. I remember when my father passed away that he had an open-heart surgery, and within seven days, unfortunately, he was gone. But during that span of seven days, each of his sons, he had three, were able to spend time with him. And so there was things there that we, we didn't know he was going to pass away, obviously, but we knew he was in surgery, and so we were able to spend time with him. And things were able to be shared. Love was able to be able to be shared back and forth. And so it was a beautiful time, even though it was a difficult time. And I can imagine the Apostle Paul in the same vein. He wants to make sure that he passes something on to these people. And these are fairly new believers. They're, they're people that he shared Christ with in his, first, uh, in his second missionary journey and his third missionary journey. So these are precious saints. These are precious people. These are great churches, little churches, little churches that he was able to start and get going during that time in Asia Minor. And so he wants to give them something that, he will be, that they will last, something they can really lay hold of. But as we, we studied through the book of Ephesians, I, I just want to remind you three or four things. In the first couple of chapters, we talked about so great salvation. We talked about redemption through the blood of the cross. We talked about times when we are to give praise and honor to Jesus. And then we talked about the things of, in, in, in our next chapters, he delves into the talks about the mystery of the ages and the revelation that all along his plan was to be able to bring the Gentiles and the Jews together. It was always part of his plan. And up until then, it was the Jewish nation. But now Apostle Paul and others are going to the Gentiles. And he's bidding them to go to the Gentiles. He's bidding them to be one. And so then in chapter 4, we were met and we were consumed, really, for a time with the biblical understanding of oneness in faith, the unity of the body and the challenges we face concerning racism and discrimination. Then into chapters 5 and 6, in these last few weeks, he poured into subjects about the home, husbands, wives, children, parents, how we should lead, how we should operate, how we should function, how we should be obedient. All of these things in the last several weeks that was able to be so real and so needy for all of us of how we're to conduct ourselves in the home. And that's what the Apostle Paul, now as he nears the end, he comes to this particular time and he wants once again to tell them to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let's remember as well that the people were facing an incredible thing during that day. These people were facing great persecution. They were also facing the Temple of Diana. Now in that time frame, the Temple of Diana wasn't just a worship center. It was everything. It's one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was uh, not just a religion. It was the center of commerce for Asia Minor, and the Temple of Diana was the banking system for those people. It was so much so that in the third missionary journey when Paul was there that they ran him out of town because he was really bad for business, because he was preaching the one true God. So they lived in a time that was difficult. They lived in a time similar to us, 
And so when we talk about putting on the whole armor of God, we're talking about something that was very real. It wasn't just a phrase. It wasn't just a thought at the end of one's life or the one, at the end of one's ministry. It was reality. And it was a stark reality to them at that time, and it is so still today. Why is that? Well, here's the book of Romans. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Friends, if we had a summation of the world today, that would describe it really well. There is no fear of God. There is no one that seeks God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And that's where we live. So when we talk about putting on the whole armor of God and standing firm, we're really serious because that's what we're into. And I don't have to tell any, that's, that's not a secret, I know. But just the description of that scares me. I don't know about you. So I want to look at these three thoughts today. I want to look at the charge that he gives us in these verses. I want to look at the armor itself with you. And then I want to look at his closing prayer. So here's the charge. The first, he, he gives two charges as he starts his narrative here. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's one. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God. So being strong in the Lord is something that I share all the time. If you get a text from me or if you're in, in a situation, because I know some of you in this room have already received one of my texts, and it's, it's typically this, I, I always say, at the end of it, I typically say, be strong. <laughs> be strong and courageous. The thought of Joshua, be strong and courageous. Why? Because we know the difficulties. We know the challenges. We know that it's not easy. But the thought he or he gives in that first charge was, be strong in the power of his might. We know that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by the Spirit of God. There is no way that we are going to stand against the enemy without the Spirit of God and the power of God in our lives. We need that power every day. And we have a grand tendency, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, we have a grand tendency to think we can do it on our own. Oh, I don't know about you, but it hasn't worked too well for me. How about you? It just doesn't work. We need the power of God. It needs to be real in our lives. It needs to be so profound that we're able to stand against what we face in this world today. And that's the thought today. Then the second one was putting on the armor of God, actually putting on. Now you see this phrase, I know as you read through the scriptures, if you've read through the New Testament at all, 
If you've read through the Pauline epistles at all, you see this phrase a lot. You see the concept, the biblical concept of taking off and putting on, taking off and putting on. We read in the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 12, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That whole passage about the fact that we were in darkness, we were alienated, we lived in that darkness, but the light of the, the gospel, the light of the beautiful gospel, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the light of the gospel shone in our lives. And when the light of the gospel shone in our lives and we accepted Christ as our Savior, then we, would go, we turned from darkness to light. Amen? And so that's what he's talking about. And he says that all the time in those epistles. Take off the works of darkness and put on the new light. And then he says in Colossians, Chapter 3, verse 10, put on the new man, renewed in knowledge. Colossians 3, 12, put on the elect of God, compassionate hearts, and kindness. It's the idea of garment. It's the idea of actually being clothed with these things. It's the actual idea of putting on these things on a daily basis. It's not something you just do once or twice. It's every single day we must be putting on these things and casting off the works of darkness. So I look at that and I say, well, why do you think that the Apostle Paul really wanted to tell them? He, he, te he looks at them and says, look, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. He knew what they were facing. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God. Well, I think it's something similar to this. It says in verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Look at verse 12. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. Those principalities are thoughts, the, the world, the world's concept, the world's thought, everything that culture wants to give to us and pour upon us and, and push us into. Those are principalities. And then he says, against powers, against things around us that we're not able to handle and we're not able to see and they're greater than we are. And then he says, against the rulers of darkness. That's actually Satan. That's actually the devil, the adversary, the one who wants to completely destroy us. It's the rulers of this world, the rulers of darkness. And then he says, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness. Look, Satan's one goal was to be like the Most High. That was his goal. Isaiah chapter 14. I want to be, and I want to be like the Most High. And so that particular thought process is something that he's constantly using, and he's relentless after us. And so why does he want to do that? Well, a number of years ago, and you can start putting up these pictures, when I was 17, and I was a senior in high school, and I was on my way out of high school. I, uh, I decided that it, at the end of March, beginning of April, I, my birthday is April 9th. So at the begin, end of March, beginning of April, I always want to take a little, uh, a couple days off, and I, always, and I go skiing. And that's what I did when I was in high school, and I skied for many years, and I was in New Hampshire. And so what happened was, it got about that time, and I thought to myself, well, it's about birthday time. I'm getting itchy. I'm about ready to go skiing. And so what I did was I got a couple of buddies of mine, and uh, we decided to take the day off from school. I'm, I'm sure we got our parents' permission. I, I recall that. Don't condone it, but that's 
what happened. So anyway, we, we jump we, we jump into, and I'll date myself, we, we jump into my Chevelle SS 396, and we, we power everything in, into the back of that thing, and we take off. Now, this is New Hampshire. This is Manchester, New Hampshire. We drive to Killington. Now, look, that's about two hours away, and, man, what we had a beautiful day. We, it was spectacular. And just before we kind of got there, we started to regale and tell great stories with our machoism about how we were going to tame the outer limits. Now, if you don't know anything about the outer limits, that's what it says. Don't go there. That's what that basically says. Unless you really know what you're doing on a pair of skis, don't go there. But we, 17, we got this. The other problem that I happen to have in my life, and I know that sometimes it works for me, sometimes it doesn't, is that um, I only have two speeds, you've probably noticed. It's sitting down or flat out. I don't have any, that's, that's the two speeds I got. It's either sitting or moving really fast. And so what happened was that day when I got to the outer limits, the top of the outer limits beyond that sign, you put your skis basically, and, and I'm, I'm doing it right here, you put your skis basically on what they call the head wall. That's kind of a flat spot before you, you push off and go down. That's, that's what that is. Okay. And once you push off and your skis are headed down, there is no way out. You, you get you getting that picture? So I'm standing at the top of like that guy right there. I'm standing at the top of I'm standing at the top of that thing. I'm, I'm ready to go, man. I think this is good. Well, I got this. This they call it the beast of the east. I mean, this is like the most difficult place to be. I got this. I want to tell you that when I pushed off that day, and I got about three seconds. That's one thousand one, one thousand two, one thousand three down that hill. All kinds of visions flashed in front of my face. Most of them were my family, thinking, this is not going to end well for me. I hope it wasn't the last time I saw my mother this morning. I knew that I was in really big trouble. And I was like way over my head. Here's why. Here's why I believe, this is my opinion, the Apostle Paul talked about this. Friends, here's why. I, I think we tremendously underestimate the enemy. I really do. I think we underestimate him all the time. Matter of fact, I think we consistently underestimate the adversary. We underestimate his craftiness. We underestimate his power. We underestimate how he wants to destroy us. We underestimate the fact that he does not want to live, he does not want us to live an abundant life in Jesus Christ. He does want to take away our joy. He does not want us to see God. He does not want us to follow God. He does not want us to walk in God's will. He doesn't want any of those things, and he is a relentless foe. And we consistently underestimate that. And so here we go, living life, trying to do our very best. We look at the scriptures and we try to do these things, and he gets us time after time. He finds a chink in the armor. Just the time you think, wow, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, things are happening. My, 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 my family's good. Life is good. And workplace is good. And church is going along pretty good. And, you know, everything's kind of kind of good in my life. Just, just at that moment. He's going to find a new way. In the last year, 
he found COVID-19. Now, I, believe me, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not enough of a theologian or a psychoanalyst to tell you whether this is the judgment of God or this is, this is God's... I, I, don't, I don't know. All I know is I'm standing here in front of a group of people with masks on. What in tarnation is going on? I don't know. What I do know is that Satan is going to use anything, and just when we think we're, going, we're doing good, it, it hits. Because we underestimate that he's coming after us. Look, we, we wrestle. That's why he says we wrestle. We, we wrestle against the unseen, the unknown, and the unwanted. That's what we wrestle against. We wrestle with those things that we don't see coming around the corner. We wrestle with those things that we don't want in our lives, and that's what we wrestle against. We, don't, we wish it could be flesh and blood. Sometimes I wish I could see it, but I don't. So because of that, he pours into our lives, and he says, you, you've got to be able to stand against the wiles, against all of those crafty things that he's going to do. You've got to be ready for that. And I'm not so sure we're all that ready. And so he says, put on the whole armor of God. Well, let's talk about that armor then. This is what we're going to put on. That's what he says right here. Let's put it on. Okay, so here, the first thing that we look at in verse 14, he says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So the first thing, the first item along that armor is the belt of truth. The belt of truth is something that he, they, they put on, obviously, all, over, all the way around them because it, it surrounds you and it holds you. It surrounds you and it holds you. That was the purpose of the belt. Now, the interest, it's a, that's the purpose of the belt I got on, holding and surrounding. The interesting thing about that, that thought process is this. This is truth. Uh, lots of times, part of the issue, I believe, that we face when we're talking about an adversary that we don't see and that we don't want and that we don't know and it's coming at us from all different kinds of angles is that we try to outwit it, outthink. But it, it's impossible. We must secure ourselves in the truth. That's what's going to keep us. We must secure ourselves in the truth. Now, friends, can I add this to you? This truth cannot really be understood, accepted, put around you, hold you through your thinking processes or perspectives. The Word of God must be seen through the eyes of the Spirit of God who lives within you and His perspective in the Word. Because many times, I think, what happens because of the fact that we underestimate the we're trying to think our way. He said to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, did God really say, oh, Eve, are you serious? He just created you. He just created you, Eve. What, is he going to kill you? Well, if you eat of that tree, then you shall surely die. Eve, get serious, will you? See, he puts doubt in your mind. He puts doubt in my mind. Did God really say that? <laughs> then he slanders the personality of God. Well, God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, that you'll know good and evil. And oh, he doesn't want that to happen. He's, you, you're going you're to be like him. You're going to know things. That's why, that's why he doesn't want you to eat. You see, 
he's crafty. <laughs> I cannot understand and hold to this truth if I have my mind trying to outwit it, to outthink it. I have to ask the Spirit of God to move my heart, move my mind, and be in conformity to this truth. Not my conformity, not my perspective, not my way of thinking. It must be God's way of thinking. And I know, I know that's not always easy, but that's the belt of truth, because this is truth. And if we can't hold to it, we might as well throw in the towel. This is what we hold to. So hang on through this. Secondly, he talked about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness was something that obviously was a protection. It was obviously something that you put on, and, and it, it completely surrounded you, and it was your protection. I believe that is the strength of spiritual character. I believe the breastplate of righteousness is your spiritual character. And by that, what I mean is that as you study the Word of God, as you put these truths in the Word of God in your life and in your heart, that it covers you, you are putting that on every day, that is your spiritual nature. And that spiritual nature that is one with the Spirit of God, if you're walking in the Spirit, then that spiritual nature is evident. And the spiritual nature, the Spirit of God, that is within you, is really protecting you because he's saying, watch it, watch it, watch it. He's coming. Look out. What are you thinking about? What are you doing? Where are you going? And that righteousness is because God himself sent his son to give me what? The righteousness of himself. I could never be righteous. But Jesus, through his blood, made me righteous. So now I can live a holy life. Now I can live a right kind of life because it's his righteousness, not mine. And that's the breastplate. Thirdly, the shoes of the gospel peace. The shoes of the gospel. He says, he says, put your shoes on. It's interesting that he says gospel of peace. Isn't that interesting? You see, you and I know that in, the, in Romans, as, as the Apostle Paul talked, and if you study this and look back and through the book of Romans, and the, the book of Romans and the books of, of Acts will help you understand these epistles. But in the book of Romans, he talks specifically about this. He says, in order for you to have peace with God, you must come to the cross. You must understand the blood of Jesus Christ causes you to, to connect with God and have his peace. You could not be, you, you were enmity against God. But when you accepted Christ, and if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ, then I appeal to you to consider his great love for you. But if you're here and you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then he brought you from darkness to light. He brought you from enmity to peace with God. Oh, man, what a great feeling. But now he says, use that peace to be able to share. Get, the, get it right. Get it right on your feet and be sharing the gospel of peace. Because people may not understand all of the scriptures, but they will see the peace of God in your life. And if they see that peace, they'll wonder why. Number four, shield of faith. This is a constantly moving thing. The shield of faith is something that was, was a moving thing all the time because it's going to have to go against all different kinds of areas in your life. 
I mean, definitely Satan is going to come at us from as many angles as he can possibly imagine, and he's powerful to do it. And so this faith shield would ward it off. It's also something that I believe you ought to keep moving. Faith isn't a standstill deal in your life. It's not something that you received and you do nothing with it. It's not something that you sit in a hammock and do nothing with your faith. Faith is to be used. Faith is to keep moving. And remember this thought process, because it's, it's, a, it's a hard one sometimes to grasp, and that is this. If you can see it, if you can feel it, if you know it, those aren't faith. Faith is things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Steps of faith is beyond you. Taking steps of faith is beyond me. I may even look at things and say, I'm not sure I really can do that. I can't do that, or I don't want to do that, or God's prompting me to do something. i got to take a step of faith. That's faith. If I can see it, if I can feel it, if I can touch it, I mean, if I got, if I got a wallet full of money and I'm given a little bit of wallet full of money, oh, that's not faith. Faith is that which you don't have and you're depending upon God. Number five, love it, the helmet of salvation. He talks about here, he says, take the helmet of salvation, verse 17, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is something that I look at and you and I can consider as something that, that covers the mind. Woo. Is, is Satan after our mind? Oh, you can believe it. In every way, shape, and form, everything we see, everything that we hear, everything that we watch, that's going into the mind. It's going through the eye gate into the mind. And boom, he's got me. So the helmet of salvation is that thing that covers my head and it covers my mind in a way that I can protect it, in a way that's going to shield against it. It's going to have my mind in place that God brought me so great salvation. I don't want to do anything that will test God. I want to be able to have the surety of my salvation, my security, and you are secure in Christ. No man, John tells us, no man will be able to pluck that out of the hand of God. You are secure in him. Put it on so that you know so great salvation all the time. Then lastly, he talked about the sword of the Spirit. Same verse in verse 17. He talks about the sword of the Spirit. The one what? Offensive weapon. The rest are put it on, put it on, put it on. This is the one offensive weapon. Why? Well, the one offensive weapon is to go against him, and it's what you have in your arsenal to basically defend. It's the sword of the Lord. It's the word of God. I often say to people, if John 3.16 is the only verse that you know, for God so loved the world that he gave, his only begotten son, that's the only verse that you know, then you quote it until temptation goes away. He does not want to hear the word of God. I was able to memorize uh, the 23rd Psalm, and I quote that one a ton. At nighttime, when my mind is going 150 miles an hour, and all these crazy thoughts are in my head, and I'm confused, and I'm worried, and I'm anxious, of course, it doesn't happen to all of you, I know, but it happens to me. It happens to me at nighttime. I don't know what the gig is. Midnight, 1 o'clock, my mind is going at 100 miles an hour. I can't shut it down. The Lord is my shepherd. 
the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I just quote, 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 quote. I want the Spirit of God to be able to calm my mind, get my thoughts, get my worries, get my pressures, get my anxieties. I want it. When I walk, I say, I, I'll quote Scripture. Know the Word of God. That's what you can use against them. So finally, in conclusion, we talk about the prayer. He talks about this prayer. This is the closing prayer of Paul. Remember now, he's, at his, he's, he's, he's kind of closing this thing out now. He's closing Ephesians, Colossians. He's about done with his ministry life, and he wants to give these people something to really lay hold of. So he gives this closing prayer, and this is what he says. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Four things in his closing prayer. A, we talk about always. Boy, it... it Prayer has got to be something that once again consumes you. It's not something you would do before we have, uh, you know, mac and cheese. It's something that is always upon us. It's, it's a part of us. It's, it's, it's something that we're uttering every day. We're uttering every moment. And prayer is in that form and in that fashion through the Spirit of God to be praying always. And then secondly, he says to pray in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, believer who lives within you, it is He who you pray with and through and in all the time. Pray in the Spirit. Oh, Spirit of God, teach me. Instruct me. Give me understanding. He says, give me utterance. That's understanding. Give me power. Give me something, oh, Spirit of God. And I do this often. I, I pray this often. I don't know about you, but you get into conversations with people, or you get into certain relationships, and maybe that relationship's not going so well. You're having a day with your spouse. And, and my prayer is that one, oh Lord, I know that the next few words coming out of my mouth could be really crucial. So I really need your words, and I need your mind, and I need your emotion. I, I need you, Spirit of God, to speak through me. And so that's what he's talking about. Then he talks about with perseverance and persistence. You know, some of the things that we think about in our day and we're praying for all the time, you know, some people, I, I, I don't know about you, have you ever given up on prayer? People look at you and say, well, did you pray about that? Oh, man, I prayed about that. It didn't happen. I gave up. He wants us to stick to it. He wants us to persevere. In that persistence isn't because he doesn't know what you want or doesn't know what you need. That's, that's not the key does. Th that is what draws you and the Spirit of God together. That belief, that persistence, that perseverance, that compassion and passion that you have, that you're pouring it out to, to God because he wants to know, he wants to hear, he wants to listen, he wants to walk, he wants to walk and talk with you and I. That's the greatest desire of his heart. The greatest desire of his heart is to walk into the garden of Christ. Adam and Eve, where did you go? I often say to people that are in struggle, I'm, right now i got two couples that I'm working with a little bit and just trying to encourage them. But you know what happens? Do you know what happens? Everybody, we, we, I mean, we all have this tendency. We have this tendency to lean out instead of leaning in. We lean out. All of a sudden, people go missing. And we're like, where did you go? Well, you know, we're having this problem. You know, we don't feel like, yeah, we, don't, uh, we lean out. It happens to me too. It's, it's lean in. Lean in. That's what he's talking about here. 
persevere. Don't lean out. Don't run. Lean in. Lastly, he says he wants them to speak boldly, and this is in verse 20. He says, for which, uh, or in verse 19, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to speak openly to people, to be able to share my faith, to be able to take that in the word of God and be able to share it and let my light so shine before men that they can see the good works that are in me. Those are the types of concepts he's talking about. So he looks at his great group of people here and these sweet little Christians and sweet little new believers here in Ephesus and in Asia Minor and all, these let, all this circular letter that went to these folks. And he said, look, you've got to stand firm. You've got to put on the whole armor of God. You've got to be praying without ceasing. He talks about that in Thessalonians. And then he wants us to speak boldly. Be bold. Don't be in fear. Be bold. Do so with kindness and love. But do so with a holy boldness that we're able to share. What a great thoughts here as we end this time frame. And Pastor Peter will be back next week to be able to talk about one individual and a great example that we have as he ends this narrative. Let's just uh, come to the Lord and pray together. Lord, I pray that you might help us not to underestimate the adversary. Help us to stand firm, Lord, to put on the whole armor of God, to be praying always. Give us, Lord, a boldness, a love and a passion and a compassion for people that we might be able to share the gospel of peace. We live in a world today, Lord, that, oh, needs your gospel of peace so badly. I pray, dear Father, that you might help us to be bold to share it. Thank you for what you've taught us these days in the book of Ephesians. Thank you for your love and your goodness to us. Help us, Lord, to be doers of the word. Help us to appropriate these thoughts, these words, into our mind, into our heart, and into our lives every day. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.